welcome to our very first episode of Signs and Vines with Courtney and Sarah. Um, thanks for joining us. It means that you too are interested in astrology and wine, and we're not the only two, so that's <laughs> great. Um, I'll go dive right in and introduce myself. I'm Courtney. I am a certified sommelier and astrology lover or obsessed crazy person, depending on who you talk to. Um, I am a Aquarius sun, Virgo moon, Sagittarius rising, which will probably explain a lot to some of you about who I am as a person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and if you want to follow me after this podcast, my Instagram handle is Corpse Cruise and Caramel. And you can also follow the podcast itself at Signs and Vines. Great. Um, my name is Sarah. Uh, I am also a wine and astrology lover. Uh, my background is in the library world. I'm a big reader. Um, my sun is Virgo. My moon is Aquarius. And my rising is Cancer. And that probably explains why Courtney and I get along so well. Indeed. So, Courtney, have you been drinking anything good lately? I did. I've been actually drinking a lot of good things. But recently, I had a people de Pinay um, from one of my local wine shops, actually from the Domaine de la Madone, the Languedoc, 2018. It was super delicious. It was light. It was refreshing. It was salty. And it was the perfect match for my scampi. But honestly, it's good for all seafood. Um, I think I'm going to go back and get another bottle and make myself something tasty. Um, what about you? I just had a really cool Hungarian white, um, also very salty. It was from uh, volcanic soils, um, very acidic with some kind of cider and Macrona almond notes. Uh, the grape is called Jafark, and I've been searching for it ever since. So if any listeners have a tip of where I can find it here, um, let us know. Yes, please do let us know. I can also reach us at signsandvines at gmail.com if you do know where to find the Jafark. I just like the name of the great Jafark. It's so much more fun to the other great names. Um, so let's get started. Um, we're going to jump right into a little bit of astrology and explain for those of you who are like sun, moon, what, um, what those mean uh, and how it might help you to better understand yourself. Definitely. So pretty much everyone knows what their sun sign is. If you know your birthday, you pretty much know your sun sign. Um, and usually when someone says, what's your sign, that's what they're talking about. That's probably the horoscope you read day to day. But your moon and rising will tell you more about yourself. Only knowing your sun sign and only following sun sign astrology is like making an Aperol spritz without the Prosecco. Whoa. You'll have a much more delightful and nuanced experience when you have all three components. So just as the sun is the center of our solar system, your sun sign is the center of you. The sun is your core identity, the most genuine expression of who you are. It's your will. It's your sense of self. Um, your rising is also called the ascendant. That rules the first house in your chart. This is the house of self. It's what you project to others. It's your personality. It's the energy that you bring to a room when you arrive. And for your rising, the, the planets change every two hours. So you really need a precise birth time in order to determine your rising sign. And the moon is your private and emotional self. It, it 
It's about the shadow parts of your personality. If you're ready to make your own chart and you want to um, dabble a little yourself, um, I'd say probably one of the most popular sources right now is the CoStar Astrology app. It's very thorough and it has beautiful graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a visual person, this is a great option. The original, I think the first place that Courtney and I both made our charts was cafeastrology.com. Yes, throwback Thursday. <laughs> Um, this is a, a very detailed explainer. It's it's really wordy. So if you're a reader, if you have a little Virgo in your chart like us, this might be the option for you. Um, and then my favorite astrologer and yours, Jessica Lignato, has a chart creator on her website. Um, she has a free version. And then if you want more detail, you can also get the paid version. But even with the free version, it It gives you all of your planets. And for the fullest and most accurate, always consult an astrologer. So um, now we'll tell you a little bit about wines. Yes. So let's continue on this astrology wave and we'll go into something you all may have been hearing lately. Um, I'm sure I know I've been hearing about it being a recent Brooklynite, <laughs> there's a lot of natural wines and biodynamic wines, and it does seem like the cool hipster thing to do, but there's a lot to it, and the biodynamic does have a lot of similarities to astrology as they follow the calendar to the moon and the stars and everything else, so let's dive into it. So biodynamic farming is um, a farming practice. It's not necessarily the wine production practice, so that's a good point to bring up. It is where they believe that the farm is one organism. So it actually was one of the first of the organic culture movements um, being anti-chemical. It started in 1924 by Rudolf Steiner. And it is based off of, yes, anti-chemical organic farming, but there's some added parts to it um, because they believe in balancing ecosystems where they are following a biodynamic calendar of when to plant, when to prune, um, old things. There is also what you may have heard, the part that, I guess, disturbs or intrigues the people <laughs> the most, is their composting. Um, so they do use a cow's horn. Um, it can be filled with a variety of things. Some do have manure and others have chamomile and needles and it's almost like a little tea horn. And they bury them in there. Um, cow horn because it was a symbol of abundance. So yes, that is less scientific for sure. <laughs> um, but the idea of fertilizing and um, you know using one ecosystem into another ecosystem and balancing it out in a very holistic approach is makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Definitely. Um, they also tend to not use a lot of additives or anything else to their wines. Um, but then if you really want something that's not having additives, or very little, we should say, too. Because a lot of places, and a lot of the ways they're um, labeling these different methods are never 100%. I feel like everything mm-hmm. I read is, it has none, or very little. So yeah. just keep that in mind when you're doing anything, that nothing is quite at 100% right now. Um, we'll be the natural wines. So natural wines are all the big rage, depending on where you're going. Um, natural wines are also more of the 
anti-chemical organic movement. They're also hand-picked, which is nice because, um, you know, if you don't want to hear anything about your non-natural, non-organic wines, cover your ears right now. <laughs> but if you are getting wine from large vineyards where they're not hand-picking and they're kind of just crushing through machines, the reality is you pick up everything in the vineyard, the grapes, stems, the mouse, the birds, the bugs, whatever is in the vineyard, anything on the vine, too close to the vine, it may end up. Now, yes, that sounds insane. Oh my God, I don't want to drink that. But I mean, it's going through a ton of different processes and it's going to be strained and treated and everything else before you finally get it. So no, you won't have a little bit of mouse in your wine, but... But it's important to remember wine is an agricultural product. You know, we think of it as being something that you drink, but it's coming from a farm. Right. And so a lot of um, vegans or or vegetarians and some people more diet conscious, I know are going more towards natural just to ensure that there's nothing else added into it, which is nice. Um, But... The other interesting part of that is they can still add some sulfites. So natural means it should be fermenting on its own. It should just be the grape juice and it's being fermented like they used to do way back in the day before they had all these other techniques and chemicals and machines, Um, which there's something kind of really nice about it to kind of have a really just bothered pure wine that's made the way our ancestors, depending on who the ancestors made it. there's something nice about that, and it's great. The thing to be careful about are that there are some natural wines that are not necessarily being made in the proper way on their own, but are just kind of being allowed to ferment and being called natural. So, into a recent event where the master sommelier upon this thing said this quote, and I thought it was the best thing she had ever said, but she said, natural wine, no, she said, sulfites are like deodorant. You don't have to put it on or add it, but it's nice to do so, right? Aww. And I feel like that's true. So keep in mind, if you've had a natural wine, you're like, oh my God, this tastes like swill. Don't be thrown off. Try another wine. It just may be a natural wine that's not trying to make a good natural wine. They're just trying to make a natural wine. And the same thing happens with conventional wine, right? Of course. There's good wine and bad wine. And a lot of bad, overly processed wine. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. Which... You, you, have before. you have to do your research <laughs> either way. The only way you can find out what's in your bottle is by studying up on your producer and figuring out what they're doing. And then to that extent too, if you're having an organic wine, um, keep in mind that the organic is really referring to how the grapes are grown so that there's not chemicals and pesticides, um, but doesn't necessarily mean that it is going through a chemical-free process when it's being made into wine. So it all depends on these labels in the U.S. If it's got the label, then that means that there are no chemicals added on either side, whether it's in the farm or in the vineyard being made. Um, in Europe, it can be it can be chemicals. They can, they can add some sulfites to it. It's okay. So just remember that organic does not mean the same thing in every place. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's something that's important to you to make sure you definitely do your research. Um, all of them, all three, should be from anti-pesticide, at least, places. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end, we can't say that the organic essay doesn't have some place of any kind if it's important to you. And so um, that's it for that topic. And please feel free to write in if you're still a little confused or want us to dive deeper into it. And it's a very general touch on these things. Uh, but now we're going to go back into astrology and talk a little bit about the next two things coming up that are really big in the astrology world. Which are? Scorpio season. I feel like I'm saying that And even scarier, Mercury retrograde. <gasps> <laughs> so let's chat a little bit about the Courtney, do you know the legend of Scorpio? I do not. Tell me all about it. The sign of Scorpio stems from the tale of Orion. Orion was the son of Poseidon, and he would hunt every night with the Greek goddess of hunting Artemis who ultimately fell in love with him. Artemis's twin brother Apollo became angry with Orion for loving his sister. So he went to his mother Hera and asked her to send a scorpion, the Scorpio, to kill Orion. Hera obliged and the scorpion stung and killed the great Orion. Artemis vowed never to love again and weeping asked her father, Zeus, Lord of the skies, to put a constellation in the sky for her beloved Orion. And so he did and not only gave the constellation to Orion, but also to his killer, Scorpio. That way, Artemis could always see her love amongst the stars while she hunted. Ooh, it sounds so Scorpio, so intense and... Drama, emotion. What are are the themes of Scorpio season? So I always just think of how Scorpios are whenever I think about how the season is going to be. So Scorpios, they are intense, they are passionate, they're seductive, they're powerful. And you may have also heard a lot of negative things about them as well. Mm. You know, manipulative, secretive, pushy, (laughs) aggressive. (laughs) We like to look at the positives, so you know there's nothing wrong with someone being determined. Right, right. And influential. And keeping their cards close to their chest. That's what they call all those things. Right, right. (laughs) You just don't want them to influence your husband. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if you were going to pair a wine with this season, what would you choose? I have chosen a nice Syrah. Figure go all in to be as Scorpio as you can be. I feel like if you had to pick a Scorpio wine, this is it. Hmm. Um, old, it's full body, firm tannins, intense color, and a little peppery. <laughs> and I feel like that's exactly what I would imagine for Scorpio. Oh, okay, okay. What would you think? Um, well, we were talking about how Scorpio season is when your emotions take over. Um, it, it's a time of truths being revealed. Maybe you're throwing your logic out the window and feeling highly sexual. Ooh. 
So I went the opposite direction <laughs> and I picked a nice, light, sparkling red, low alcohol content. I'm suggesting the Lambrusco. This is not your grandma's Lambrusco like you used to have down in Little Italy with a big plate of pasta or at a pizzeria. There are a lot of really interesting, complex, um, natural Lambruscos coming out now. Um, they can range from sweet to dry, so be sure you check your label. Um, dolce would be sweet and secco would be dry. And they're usually around a 10 to 12 um, ABV. So the one that I had recently that I really loved was from Denny Binney, and it's completely organic. It's the Podere Cipolla Lambrusco, and I picked this up from Discovery Wines. Nice. I actually also recently had a really good Lambrusco from Lenny. Just Denny Denny. I don't <laughs> <laughs> also really delicious, and now they expect Lambrusco. Exactly. Give sure. them give them a chance. Yes. Um, and then let's hop right into the real scary part about the next few weeks, which is Mercury in retrograde. We have that kicking off on the 31st of October. Um, it's going to be Mercury retrograde in Scorpio season. Um, what does Mercury rule? Well, I know that for me, every retrograde, it's coming from my communication and it is coming from my travel plans, and it is just giving me complete confusion. Right. Sure. Mercury rules um, travel, technology, um, communication of all kinds. Not a great time to sign a lease. Uh, not a great time to agree to pretty much anything. You know, if you're getting married, I might not do it during the <laughs> uh, That's the only time you can cool, but... That would be travel. That would be making agreements and promises. Um, that would be communication. There's a lot going on there, so perhaps letting time would not be the best. But if you are, no need to fret. <laughs> Just make sure you either have a good wedding planner or you are the best wedding planner that you can be and that you are double and triple checking everything because that's the only way to really survive Mercury retrograde is to just pad life and <laughs> make it easier for yourself. Give yourself extra time to get to the airport. Um, double check your ticket and make sure you're at the right gate. Like, you know, anything like that um, is what you need to do during this time for sure. Yeah, it's the time for the re's, review, revisit, research. Mercury retrograde isn't all bad, it's a really good time for reflecting. Um, if you find yourself feeling nostalgic or if you have people from your past coming to you, it's probably not a great time for a dialogue with them, but it might be a good time for you yourself to look back on that time and do some journaling and a good way to get closure and move forward. Um, someone once gave me really good advice about retrograde season that um, the best thing to do is just dig your feet into the mud and let the currents pass over you that if you don't, you'll get swept away. But if you just dig deep and hold strong, you'll get through it. Fine. Solid, solid advice. So that all being said, I thought about this and I said, I'm confused. I'm <laughs> communicating. 
I'm missing transportation and everything is awry, probably the last thing I would want is high alcohol because Ooh, alcohol yeah. can definitely not help Good call. any of the things, right? So I figured, you know what, one, I would have during retrograde something low in alcohol, easy drink that I could definitely have on its own because I may need a glass of wine on its own a couple of nights during retrograde. <laughs> so I went with a Mosul Riesling. Ooh. Light in alcohol, a little bit sweet, but with a nice balance of acid, so it's not sugary sweet either. You may need something a little sweet after the world's beating you up all day. You are right. Treat yourself. Um, easy, breezy, pop it in a glass. One glass won't kill you. And you don't have to have it with food because do I want to cook during your treatment? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, and then, so my suggestion, actually, I have a producer that I like, um, is from the St. Urban's Health Estate from Nick Weiss. It's a 2017 Mosul Riesling from Old Vines. So the nice part mm-hmm. about that is it has a little bit more depth than some of the entry-level Mosul Rieslings that can be kind of too simple, I think. Mm. This gives you a little bit extra. If you want to have some food with it, have some food with it. It would be really nice. If you want to drink it by itself, drink it by itself. Do what you want during work through retrograde. <laughs> <laughs> but don't call your ex. Exactly. <laughs> So my pick for retrograde is a Chilean wine. And we usually think of them as being really big, full-bodied, heavy, high alcohol. But um, there are some really beautiful wines from Chile um, called Pepeño, which is sort of like table wine. Um, And this was from the Pais grape. It was a Portisuelo from Louis-Antoine Louillet, 2019. Um, he's completely practicing organic, completely natural production. They're using 250-year-old vines. It's very light and unoaked. Um, think of kind of like a smoky Beaujolais. Ooh, that sounds delicious. It's really good with a chill. And the best part about it is it's a one-liter bottle. Yes, one-liter bottle. So you have exactly. plenty of extra wine. <laughs> you don't have to worry about running out. Um, and it will take care of you during your Mercury retrograde. Um, and I saw this, I picked it up from Whole Foods, and they also have it at Aster Wines, so it shouldn't be too hard for you to find. Nice. Sounds like the exact same that I need. So, if you guys have listened this long, thank you for sticking with us. Um, it is our first podcast, so don't beat us up too much. But please, uh, contact us, email us, let us know what you thought. Uh, you can email your questions to signsandvines at gmail.com. Yes. Or if you're listening on Anchor, you can send us a voicemail and we'll play it on the next podcast mm-hmm. and we'll answer your questions. Yes. Please be interactive with us. We love it. Um, we have a lot of ideas. We have some really fun podcast episodes coming up. So I hope you're all ready. Uh, and again, if you want to just follow along and see what we're up to, uh, podcast Instagram is at signs and vines. My Instagram is at corkscrews, plural, and caramel. And mine is supernatural Sarah. And we hope to see you next time. Have a great time, lovelies. Good luck. Hang in there.